Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. All right, today was my pick, and it is the fall time, and I don't know what it is. You know, different times of year, I feel like different kinds of movies. And in the fall, when things are getting cold and we're sitting inside, there's nothing that warms me up more than a nice Italian giallo film. And so this week, I chose Lucio Fulci's favorite movie that he's ever done, Don't Torture a Duckling, from 1972. And the first film that he kind of resorted to, gore. After this movie, he did a lot of gory films. Kind of became known for that later on when he did his more more straight horror films and his other giallo pictures. So here we are talking about this. I know one of Craig's favorite genres. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I make no apologies. I love these movies. And uh, I know I'd seen this before, but I completely forgot about it. And so I was really happy to revisit it. Craig, tell me about your long, long history with this film. (laughs) Uh, you know, I don't know. I, hmm. the title, I think I've surely heard the title before because it's a silly title and it kind of stuck with me. The original, uh, the original title is in Italian. Does it translate to don't torture a duckling? (laughs) Actually, it's, it more closely translates. It's, it's, I, no, I'm sorry. I'm kind of reading Italian like I can pretend like I'm reading Italian. (laughs) Non si sevizia un pepperino. Which would literally translate to "Don't torture Donald Duck," because <laughs> apparently in Italian, uh, Paparino is what uh, Donald Duck is called. So that actually they... makes a lot more sense, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a Disney film, folks. Uh, we're <laughs> no, and I can understand why they probably couldn't use that title uh in the states uh for copyright purposes but donald duck does play (laughs) a significant role in this film at least as significant as any other role in this film Mm. that that's the thing that was my issue with this movie my biggest issue one i didn't find it particularly interesting at all period really okay but and i think that my contributing to that i think that my biggest problem with it was there are no main characters in this movie like Mm. it's just a series of events with a town's worth of people Mm -hmm. there there's nobody really yeah you're right in my opinion there's nobody to follow really there's nobody to like root for like there's it's, no it's main odd. character. No. You're, you know, I didn't think about it that way, but you're absolutely right. It's very plot-driven. None of the characters do we really n- get to know very closely or know much about. And unlike most films, really, we're not following a central character. It is just an entire mystery revolving around a town where kids are dying. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. And yeah. maybe, you know... Didn't bother me, though. <laughs> I, I, I in absolutely no way mean this to be pretentious, but maybe that's kind of the literature teacher in me. Like, I'm looking for a protagonist. Like, who is my mm. hero? Or even who is my anti-hero? Like, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm more than happy to follow the killer if, if that's who the central focus should be on. That's fine. Um, right. but not to say that they're, weren't some interesting characters, but even the interesting characters, I didn't feel like we got to know very well. And so, yeah, I wasn't particularly invested in what happened to them. And then right. some of the, some of the characters that like, I guess they play key roles. Like I didn't even really know who they were. Like <laughs> one of the, one of the main characters is this guy named Andre or Andrea Martelli. And like, I didn't even know who he was. Like, was he a reporter? Was he a detective? Dude, he introduced himself as a reporter in the very beginning. Remember, he tried to get into the crime scene, and they turned him away. And well, and all these it. Italian guys look the same, and I couldn't. Oh, keep that's them true. Apart. <laughs> <laughs> and and fair enough. 
you know, funny He's enough. Not even Italian, but that's okay. no, none of them are. <laughs> like very, it's an Italian movie. Uh, hardly any of them are actually Italian. Like I still, I'll never get used to these movies that are, you know, they're they're filmed in Italy. They're they're Italian productions, but for the most part. At least it appeared to me that these actors, in their delivery, were speaking English, yep. and yet it's dubbed yep. <laughs> in English. <laughs> I don't get it. I know you've explained it to me before. You've explained that it has to do with, like, it's cheaper to do the sound mixing in post, and... Yeah. Uh, I, fine, but it's just weird. Like, it, it doesn't, like... In, entirely pull me out but it's just kind of unsettling like it's kind of like an uncanny valley kind of thing like why why like clearly they're saying the words but it's also clearly dubbed it's weird i thought for the most part actually the dubbing wasn't too bad it's not i, I mean horrible. as far as word matching mouth matching sometimes you're right it didn't work but as far as the acting of the dubbing artists went i, I didn't think it was too shabby but you're right this is this is standard for these italian films of this era and whether it be um economical reasons or whatever they would shoot the movies and the most of these guys in here are speaking english but a lot of the italian actors maybe their english isn't so good honestly um i don't think i've ever brought this up on the podcast before but i'm a full-time voice actor in china right now and so i step into the studio and almost every day i'm dubbing something whether it's a cartoon or a person and Nine times out of ten, believe it or not, I'm dubbing English actors speaking English because it seems to be that the the way they do things here, even though they record sound on set, and I, I listen to these characters' lines, and they're perfectly fine. They're delivered fine. They may even be Americans or Canadians doing a perfectly fine accent. They still want to scrub all the sound and just get a fresh, nice take in the studio. And it's either inconvenient or cheaper to just bring in people like me to dub over these folks than bring in the original actors. I mean, in this case, right now in COVID, it's because a lot of the original actors aren't available. So sure. that's one part of it. But another part of it is a lot of times here, in order to find these white faces that we need to play the military soldiers or whatever in these movies, they're Russians because they have easier access to China than the rest of us, especially now. It's easier to round up a bunch of Russian guys to, to run around and, and, and speak. And so even though they can speak English, maybe for the most part, it, it doesn't sound like they're an American. And in the movie, this war movie or whatever, you know, they, they need to be sound like American soldiers. So then they bring someone like me in. So even though some of these Italians in this movie are speaking English, I'll bet if you listen to the original sound there, it's pretty poor. Mm. So that's another reason why they might they might dub it. So I thought of, of all of the dubbed Italian films we've seen, this particular movie was one of the better dubbings. But that wasn't what distracted me the most. I'll tell you what distracted me the most in this movie was um, Barbara Boucher. <laughs> Which one was she? Was she Patricia? She was, yeah. She yeah, was she's beautiful. Beautiful. And, and then the first time that you're introduced to her, she is Fully nude, like yes, it's like extra <laughs> and, bonus, <laughs> and and not not even time. just fully nude, but posed like a centerfold, <laughs> intentionally pouring a cold <laughs> drink yeah. all over her body, like down between up. her breasts, right? It's actually pretty gratuitous, <laughs> as a matter of fact, but. I'm not complaining. And I didn't really get it. Like, like I appreciate it. Like, I, I looked at her and I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. And she has a beautiful body and, and, and a beautiful face and beautiful eyes. She's she's a beautiful woman. But I didn't even really get it. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she is kind of a, a central mystery of the film. But that's intentional, of course. Like, we're really not supposed to get a total clear bead on her but you're right even by the end of the movie we never really get it do we <laughs> no that's the other thing i i told uh, those of you who've listened to any of our podcasts before my partner alan is not a big fan of horror i was talking to him about this and i said these movies they're not all the same but they, they frustrate me in the same way because really to classify this as horror is a stretch in my mm, opinion I'm now sorry, the you're right. uh there is some gore and there are some practical effects. Now, I would argue that while the practical effects look gross, 
there's one scene in particular, I don't want to spoil it yet, but there's one scene in particular where my stomach really kind of turned. Yeah. Then some of the others were a little bit corny, but whatever. I still like practical effects. That's great. Aside from that, it's not horror. It is a mystery. It's a suspense mystery. Yeah. And I mean, we have this conversation sometimes, but like a slasher movie is one guy going around murdering people. What makes that horror whereas in this case yes there is also a person going around murdering people but i don't know it's not as gruesome it doesn't have i mean what there, where there is are the no there are no oh excuse me there's one on-screen death all of the rest of them happen off screen right the the thing another thing that bothers okay so they're mysteries and i've complained about this with these giallo movies before they're <laughs> mysteries but the solution to the mystery is virtually impossible to come up with on your own, like uh, un- until like the last few minutes, and then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like- <laughs> I, am, I am totally going to battle you on this because of all of the Giallo movies, and admittedly, you're absolutely right. They tend to be very obtuse and odd and downright like a, a, a person goes to a library and opens a random book and that gives them a clue to the next thing. I grant you that this has to be one of the most straightforward and easy to follow mysteries that we've seen in any of these films. Uh, I don't. You don't think so? Well, I mean, and and this is typical of the genre, so it's difficult to even be critical because I understand going in that this is typical of the genre. But there are so many red herrings, like blatant in your face red herrings. Like, (laughs) like they are clearly trying to get you to think, Oh, it's that guy or, Oh, it's her or whatever. Mm. And then at the last minute they flip it on you. And this one now are granted in the last, I don't know, five, 10 minutes. I was like, Oh, well now it's obvious who it is. But leading up to that last five or 10 minutes, there was, n- to me, not even a suggestion really? that the killer was who the killer ended up being. Honestly, I had my suspicions at one point. And I don't know if it's just because I was imagining there were so many red herrings. Like, who's the one? Who's the person I'm seeing the least? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's it. But I honestly felt like it's not that it was projected. But when it was revealed, I said, yeah. Yeah, and and, and shortly before it was revealed, a little bit before 10 minutes, I was like, oh, maybe this person actually has a motive and could be it. Although you're right, there's no like particular evidence that points in that direction that you could deconstruct until said reveal. So Well and, and, and again, like ultimately the person who it ends up being, like it kind of makes sense. I still have questions that I mm. want to talk about when we get there. Like, it, ultimately, it kind of makes sense. It's just that they're, like you said, it, it, it it's not projected. And so it kind of comes out of left field a little bit. But again, ultimately, in the end, the motive does make sense. It's kind of silly, but it makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, it's, it's a movie about this, uh, Italian town. I don't know what to call it. A city, a town, but it's one of those. Community? (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those classic Italian, what, like villas or something, you know, where Mm -hmm. all of the buildings are super close together, built into like this hillside. It's gorgeous to look at. I mean, it's very old school Italian. I, I don't know how to better describe it. Can you help me out? Like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 like a almost like a backwater Italian village where people are maybe a little more traditional, a little more removed from the big city, and I think that's that's projected early on in you know the the opening credits show up over a very big wide shot over landscape, you know, the mountains and things, and I, I thought actually this was quite brilliant where the highways cutting through these mountains. Right. But Uh you get this sense. This is a remote place and nobody really touches it (laughs) because even the highway itself is just sort of suspended over the landscape and cutting right through it. Like nobody's going to stop there. You know, I thought that was actually pretty brilliant in the opening to Mm -hmm. really show how remote this place is. Right. Just not just remote, but remote from, quote unquote, you know, modern civilization. Not that they're, you know 
completely backwoods p- place. Right, yeah. but it, you know, it's 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 all you know. It's not a small town, really. I mean, it's it's these you know probably two to three story buildings, but they're built up a hill, like so. It's almost like they're just they're all connected, and they're you know almost just like stacked on top of each other. Yeah, up this hill. Beautiful. It looks cool. It really is. I mean, it's it's some place that. If you were traveling throughout Europe, you know, it would be a, a really neat place to visit and, and, and see because it's very different than anything yeah. that you would see in the States. And, and um, let me just interrupt you by saying, like I've said before, this is one big reason why I love these movies is because I get to see this kind of stuff and also in a particular era, you know, several decades right. ago. when th- Right. Well, I mean, that's, you know, I, my, uh, I, I know that you are a world traveler. You've lived all over the world. My experience with international travel is very limited, but, um, you know, just having visited London and, and Amsterdam and it, it's just, it, <laughs> we Americans, those of us who don't travel extensively, it's just so interesting to see Europe because, it's so much older. Like, yeah. by comparison, America is such a young nation and the architecture is just so much more modern. You know, we're talking about, you know, architecture that's potentially centuries of years old. And I just remember in London, it was amazing to see modern architecture right next to other structures that were, are, are centuries old. And it's just something that you don't experience in the States. So, yeah. kids out there, travel (laughs) there's a whole other world out there once you're able once you get vaccinated (laughs) yeah right right exactly when when the world when slash if the world ever gets back to normal take advantage but it's it's a murder mystery and it starts out with a woman digging on a hill okay interesting whatever and she digs up a child's skeleton and then we're introduced to these young boys young teenage boys like 12 13 years old yeah, pretty young and there's three of them torino bruno and michele and they get all excited and they're like they're coming they're coming and it turns out that um apparently some hookers like <laughs> come into town every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> big city hookers <laughs> right and and set up camp at this like rundown place they call it the haunted house or something <laughs> with, with and i quote tits the size of watermelons <laughs> oh and it's it's so funny because these are more like not the 80s hookers from horror movies but like old school italian hookers so like robust middle-aged women yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. But I, well, see, and I, but I feel like Europeans, you know, that's that's more their their, their style, style. <laughs> <laughs> or it was in the seventies. I don't perhaps know. in this town anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so so these these boys go basically just to be kind of peeping toms or whatever, and um, we also meet Giuseppe, who is like the village idiot who want who also much like the boys who he's probably kind of on the same mental level with, um, right. just wants to to peep. Hey, Giuseppe! Giuseppe's a big baby! Giuseppe's a big baby! Giuseppe's a big baby! Giuseppe's a you big dirty boys, baby. get out of here! <laughs> Come and get us, you moron! He can't even walk straight. He can't get us! I'll get you! Come back! Come back here! I'll get you! All of you! And when I do, I'll kill you! Then, randomly, we see hands, <laughs> yep. because of course, it's a giallo flick. we got to get lots of hand shots, <laughs> these hands making voodoo dolls. And whoever this person is pokes the needles through the necks of these voodoo dolls, and we kind of see the boys um, react a little bit. Mm-hmm. And eventually those boys all die, but not before... Michele, this is when we're introduced to Patrizia. Now, I really don't understand. Okay, <laughs> so does Michele's mother work as a housemaid for yes. Patrizia? Okay. Yep, yep. So, so Michele's mom works as a maid for this wealthy woman who we know nothing about at this point. 
but her son visits her and she says, take this drink up to this woman. And that's when we meet her and I'll let you... <laughs> I mean, we've kind of already <laughs> described the scene, but I feel like this is way more uh, your demographic. <laughs> my... <laughs> this is more my cup of tea. Is that what you're saying, Craig? Yeah. Not that I don't um, appreciate it. <laughs> who wouldn't? I mean, Michaela comes upstairs, and it's a very well... By the way, uh, this movie is really well shot. The cinematography in this movie is very nice, very inventive. I can't really say enough nice things about it. And it really, I think, stands apart. Of course, most of these Giallo movies are pretty stylish, you know, and yeah. well shot. Some better than others. A lot of them are just cheap and, and you know, garbage. But especially, especially Fulci kind of runs the gamut. I mean, we've done, like, The City of the Living Dead, and we thought that was just dumb and so keep that in mind uh he brings up a a tray and this woman is for no really good reason completely nude lounging in this room in her house i mean she's not like sunbathing or under a heat lamp or anything this is just the way she likes to be she's utterly gorgeous and her name is barbara boucher and she is actually a german american actress left Germany under Nazi occupation, was raised in the U.S., was involved in Hollywood for a while, but then I think got a little upset that, I mean, like, she she was a model and things like that, had no problem doing nude scenes and nude nude posing, but um, eventually kind of was like, yeah, she found better work in Italy during this time, and actually ever since, really. Probably her most famous screen role, aside from doing a lot of these kind of pictures in Italy, was as Miss Moneypenny in the 1960s Casino Royale, James Bond movie. So, mm-hmm. But she's gorgeous, and she's yeah. laying there completely naked, and Giuseppe comes up to her and is very, um, you know, he's looking down, he's very embarrassed by this, but, you know, he's got to deliver her her thing, and she's actually kind of taunting him. Running away? I put your orange jade on the table. Oh, Michele, bring the tray here. Come on, I won't bite you. I'm coming. I don't want to spill it. Oh, yes? Well, look at me. Go on. Are you upset seeing a nude female? Well, no. I didn't think so. How many girls have you had? I don't know. Lots. You liar. If you'd said one or two, I might have believed you. Ah, but lots is not true. You're just full of shit. In this way. Honestly, more or less coming on to him. Yeah. Which which is really upsetting and unsettling. In fact, Fulci was arrested. Yeah. (laughs) Based on this scene, because uh, based on child endangerment. Yeah. He was let go once he kind of showed that he didn't actually shoot the scene with the kid. They they shot scene, shots of the kid and then shots of her, and there are no shots of them actually together in the same shot. There's one shot over his shoulder when he's carrying the tea up, but if you are if you look carefully, you can tell it's actually not him. It was a body double, an, a much older person. A little person. Yeah, a little person. So, And I think that's cute. They didn't want to... A little kid in the same room with a nude woman coming on to him. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I read that and I thought, like that never would have occurred to me. Like, right. is that even a problem today? I don't know. I don't know. know. Like, like I mean, whatever. there's it, the the scene. I mean, it didn't make me uncomfortable because I don't know, whatever. I don't care. It's a movie, but it's a movie, and and, right. and and there's nothing, you know, nothing inappropriate. Like happens really between them i mean the whole thing is kind of weird like why i still don't get it like i don't get her character at all why is she teasing this boy like this to be honest with you she 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 literally invites him to bed and now i assume that she was kidding and eventually would have said ah just kidding little boy get out of here but really the only you know he gets called back by his mom that's the only thing that interrupts it i just i and well when we say these kids are like young teenagers like 12 13 they are but as rarely happens in these movies these boys 
are played by age appropriate actors. So they yeah. look like little boys. Yeah. And it's uh They look like twelve. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. twelve. Definitely on the early side of teen. And so and the boy's uncomfortable and she's coming on to him, and this really is like every kid that age is like wet dream, basically. Right. But, you know, somebody interrupts or whatever. She's like, oh, do you want to, would you like to go to bed with me and all that? And then mom calls him back down. He ends up going down. And this is, she does this a couple times in the movie, which, honestly, maybe she is a bit of a pedophile. I I don't think that's out of the question for her character. Well, I think that the Fulci or the writer, whoever, and did Fulci wrote this too, I think. He co-wrote it, yeah, with a couple others. Yeah, yeah. Again, red herring. Like, this woman is weird. This woman is potentially predatory. And like, yeah, they are setting her up to be suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is obvious, but then, of course, you know, I think she is suspicious. And so I don't know what she's going to do. Like, after this... She could do anything, and it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. I don't know. We learned that she is the the daughter of a well-to-do man who owns a bunch of property in town but is never actually in town. Right. And she had been away for a long time and ended up kind of coming back by herself. So she is an outsider. Because, again, suspicious, because she had gotten tied up in some kind of, like, drug scandal or something. Yeah. And so her dad had said it would be best for her to lay low. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so that's why she's here in this small town. And she doesn't fit in in the small town. And, yeah, uh, I mean, that's, that's the trope, right? This is part of the thing. It's the outsider in the small town, the big city girl who's a little more less traditional, a little more edgy, you know, coming in. What ends up happening is one of these three boys, uh, I think it's the... Bruno. Ends up dead. And we, we kind of see this. Like, he's being chased by a dog, I think, and a person, but it's all sort of a POV shot. Yeah. And he gets whacked with, with a stick or something and falls down. And the next thing we know, um, they're all investigating a murder. And so Andre, this reporter, um, comes into town as well as the police and weasels his way in uh, as they're interviewing different people. And again, another outsider, right? It's, it's the outsiders who have to come into this small backwater insular town and help solve the mystery of what's going on i guess right but for the rest like for the the, it's just it bothers me because this guy andre the reporter or whatever like he comes in and he seems like he's going to be an important character and he is ultimately yeah but for the next 45 minutes he's really just kind of lingering like yeah, in the back, like he's he's always around, but he's not really doing anything. But you know what? Actually, I liked that. Like, unlike a lot of these pictures that we've seen, where the reporter comes in, and and you see these in the American slashers too, like Prom Night and stuff, where the reporter comes in and he sort of becomes the detective. Right. This guy's got his place. Like, he's not there all the time. He's not buddy buddy with the policeman, or he's not like taking over the investigation or whatever. We see him equally as much as we see the cops, and and the cops are are happy to entertain his views and things but he's not right. like you know taking it upon himself to like figure out what's going on where the police are, are going wrong no like everybody's really quite invested in figuring out this case and none of them are willing to accept the various uh red herrings that we can see a mile away that are coming at them you know and actually i thought that was quite refreshing because in a lot of these movies the cops come in and then the most simple explanation that's immediately presented to them they just go with Right. And then that's it. So then the cops are out of the picture and it's up to the reporter or, you know, the concerned parent or whoever it is to solve the mystery because the cops are inept. Whereas in this case, that that didn't happen at all. Yeah, they they were all just kind of like trying to figure shit out amongst all of them, you know. And yeah, I, that's I true. That. And the police, you know, didn't seem inept, you know, and, no. and they really were genuinely concerned and 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 trying to solve this thing the next thing that happens is um there's a ransom call for this boy and it's kind of a crazy like they they whoever's demanding the ransom um asks for an insanely large amount of money lira or whatever how much that was in the 70s right and uh (laughs) 
probably 10 bucks. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows, right? They set up a sting, uh, and, it, and it turns out that the person who demanded the ransom was Giuseppe, the, the town idiot. And so they catch him easily because, of course, he's an idiot. So, you know, as soon as the drop is made, he goes to pick it up and they arrest him right away and and then they find the boy buried in the woods but he insists that he didn't actually kill the boy he found him and then he buried him and then the cops deduce well maybe he's telling the truth and he's just an idiot and thought he could get some money um but he's the only suspect and so he's arrested and the town is virtually rioting outside you know the the jail or whatever and yelling and screaming at him as he's brought out and driven out of town. Yeah. <laughs> so there's <laughs> so there's that like, "Oh, okay, well, we solved it as Giuseppe." And then we are introduced kind of to this new character, this woman, uh Marciara, I think is her yeah. name, and she is as it turns out the woman from the first scene who was digging up something that turned out to be a very, very small, like a baby skeleton. And she's watching. Then they find one of the other boys, Torino. An old woman finds him dead in, like, a public wash bin. Mm -hmm. We see more hands burying the voodoo dolls. And I don't know if this was intentional or not. I feel like it was. I feel like they do this all the time. The hands look very much like men's hands yeah now i understand that people come in all shapes and sizes and that women can have large hands and hairy arms but like yeah. it, it seems movies, like they're <laughs> it seems like they're intentionally trying to mislead you yeah which i i at the time like okay whatever this could be anybody because we've seen it before we've seen in these movies what appear to obviously be men's hands and in the past when we've seen these movies they have been they've often been the director's hands um but in the movie it turns out they belong to a beautiful woman which ends up happening here too yeah the thing i like about this movie honestly is that okay first of all i'll say i think it was too slow it could have been 30 minutes shorter yes and i would have if it were 30 minutes shorter, I would have liked it a lot better. It really, really takes its time. And so that's my first criticism. As great as the cinematography is and as easy to follow as the plot is, and honestly, I feel like it unfolded really in a very logical and believable manner. Nevertheless, it was a little slow. But we see a reveal eventually, and I liked this bit about it. Like, we see these hands bearing the dolls, but they don't keep that a mystery for too long. No. You no. know? We we see that this woman is actually the one bearing the doll. So you're like, okay, like, she's got this vendetta against these boys at the very least. But you're also thinking, well, they're not going to reveal the killer like this early on, right? So whatever she's doing bearing these dolls, like she can't be the only piece of the puzzle, right? Right. But there's also a priest who comes kind of in almost like Jesus <laughs> when they uncover the body of the first boy. and Oh, yeah, that was weird. It was weird. And he's got like a couple kids in tow. Oh, a right? whole group of them, it's yeah. It's like they're all, like, hanging around him. And he comes in, and, and he, like, says some, you know, something over the, the, the corpse and whatnot and leaves. And then the reporter interviews him. And this guy's really good looking. And he's a pretty young, handsome priest. And oh, very handsome, they, yes. they have a conversation in the town about the town, which I thought was, was nice, and it works well towards the theme. People aren't worried much about their immortal souls. They watch TV, go to the movies... They read the papers with all those scandalous photographs. But you're a reporter, aren't you? Yes, I work for a daily. Things like this happen, and the world is shocked. You look for a culprit. But no one ever asks if the culprit isn't our would-be liberalism. No one? What can a poor priest do? <laughs> oh, I'm a friend of the news vendor. And certain magazines aren't sold here. In fact, they don't even get here. But he wants to protect them mm -hmm. from vulgarity and temptation and stuff. And yeah. so, like, and, you know, it, he, he really seems like he's he's young and he works with these um, young boys. Like, I think he's, like, organized, like, a soccer league. Yeah, it seems like it. To keep them 
occupied so they're not getting themselves in trouble. Uh, and he is, he is young and he is very handsome. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like really, he seems like a really good guy. Like he really is trying <laughs> to protect these people, uh, and, and protect these kids and, and look out for these kids. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember how far we got. Michele, the movie makes it see somebody calls Michele late at night. He's the last of the three boys. Yeah. Somebody calls him late at night and says, sneak out of your house. Uh, and he does. And the movie. He's in the middle, by the way, of uh, like he's drawing boobies and he's got yeah, I didn't know what he was doing on the boobs. Yeah, it was really weird. Just like kids thing, I guess. Yeah. So he does. And the movie makes it look like it's Patrizia that calls him. Mm-hmm. And From he's the one, station. right? And he's the one who has already had that experience with her. Mm-hmm. And so he goes out, and he's like running through the woods, and there's somebody following him, like an old man with a scythe. And he hides from the old man, and the old man passes him by. And then he's waiting in a particular place, like next to this crucifix. And we get a POV shot of somebody approaching him. And as this person approaches him, he smiles as though he recognizes the person. And then his face gets very fearful fall and then he gets killed uh yeah strangled yeah all these people all these kids are more or less strangled i think right Right. yeah they are like they might be knocked out first or they might appear like one of them appeared to have drowned but they think that maybe he was actually strangled and then just put in the water yeah they think it's strangulation for some reason patrizia gets questioned by the police i don't remember Mm -hmm. why we see that it is machiara who has the voodoo dolls. And then we're at Michele's funeral and we're introduced to some other random woman who like is <laughs> mysterious in the town. Her name is Aurelia Abalone. Yep. And she's the priest's mom. And she also has another little girl named Malvina who they say over and over again is retarded. Now we don't, really you that I, I don't know that that's even necessarily like a medical diagnosis anymore but she she's deaf and dumb she can't communicate and we're like okay random but of course she's pivotal <laughs> later but yeah. at at the funeral um Michaela's mom screams the killer is here with us i know it and both patrizia and machiara look all shady <laughs> and Machiara runs away. And then, like, I thought this was one of the coolest parts of the movie. In Italian, on the screen, it says, <laughs> end act one. Yeah. And, then, and then it says, act two. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting, right? And there was never an act three, was there? It was cool. I mean, it just marked a turning point of the movie. That was odd, though. I've never seen that before. I haven't either. But it is. I mean, it's appropriate because then the movie takes a totally weird turn. Mm -hmm. The police have been watching the funeral. So they see Machiar run out and they think that's suspicious. And one of the cops, the local cops, I guess, is like, oh, yeah, that's just Machiara. Everybody thinks she's a witch, but only because she lives out in the woods with old Francesco, the magician. (laughs) (laughs) right so the cops visit old francesco the the magician who's also shady (laughs) who is totally shady and who was the old guy in the woods like chasing the boy he's carving what look like voodoo dolls Mm -hmm. and they're looking for machiara he says i haven't seen her in two weeks i don't have any idea where she is um excuse me i have to take a crap (laughs) (laughs) literally says that (laughs) it probably sounds better in italian (laughs) (laughs) so the cops don't know what to think about that they they're still looking for machiara but as they're leaving they see patrizia arrive at old francesco's but they don't Mm. do anything about that yet Mm-hmm. Then some woman, I think it's supposed to be Aurelia, yes, calls the cops is. and says she knows where much Mar- Marchiara is, and they they go where 
they've been told to go, and it's like a cave, and they find the cave, but she has run off. They find her baby skeleton, and the cop's like, oh, yeah, that must be her devil baby. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right. (laughs) This is, yeah, this is a weakness of the the movie. (laughs) Oh, oh, by the way, there's a whole story about this girl and her devil baby. So apparently Machiara and Francesco had a thing and uh, she got pregnant and well no okay so they sent her to him because she had the devil inside her and then he's <laughs> and then he says and somehow he got the devil out of her but she also got pregnant <laughs> she also got a little him inside her too <laughs> But, you know, to be honest, like, small towns are full of this stuff, right? It's just rumors and and old stories and, like, gossip about everybody and this guy and this woman and all these things. I felt like in the telling of these kind of ridiculous things, it did paint a picture, again, that has been reinforced throughout the movie of this backwater Italian insular town where everybody knows everybody's secrets, right, you know? Right. Like how could this tons kind of, of thing history, happen? you know? Yeah, yeah. Generations upon generations of people and yeah. Mm. I mean it, it, yeah, I I get that. But eventually the cops they find her and they catch her and she confesses immediately to the murders. She says yeah. that she killed them um and her reason was that they had disturbed her son's grave which was where she had been digging in the beginning of the movie and she had caught them doing it once and she had warned them that if they did it again she would break them um (laughs) but then like she also just kind of offhandedly admits that she didn't physically kill them she had asked the old magician how to do it and she had used the dolls. And then in explaining all of these, she goes completely crazy and starts screaming and convulsing and foaming at the mouth. Foaming at the mouth. <laughs> and when she wakes up, t- she explains like the ritual that she did and it had to do with the voodoo dolls and there's a whole thing about it, but she says, um, you have to call on these devils and there are 13 devils and they infect somebody by going into their mouth and then that person actually does the killing and she says it can be anybody a man or a woman so then i'm thinking you know like who who got who got devil mouth devil mouth (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) 13 devils came in somebody's mouth and now (laughs) greg i I, that feels like another movie i've seen before <laughs> oh, a little more modern. God. But but honestly, the thing I liked about this was that the whole time, as I said before, I feel like the cops are appropriately skeptical. Like they're not really taking anything at face value. Even when this woman, even when Giuseppe, even when these people sort of con- confess to the crime, they're always kind of like, yeah, but. Do you really think so? And that was really refreshing. Like, you know, True. they weren't the stupid cops who think they closed the case every second. You know, it felt more real because of that, because these cops, they know the town, right? Like, yeah. they know these people. They're a part of it. And they're a part of it, yet they're somewhat detached from it. Like, they're quite critical of the town. I, I feel like it's the character of the reporter from outside, right? The big city reporter who comes in for the big city newspaper who talks to the cops about it, and they sort of have to explain to them, look, these are sort of simple people. There are all these, like, rumors and all these sorts of things, and, and it's just a little different from what you're used to. Like, the cops know right. that half the people they're talking to are kind of crazy, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, and and crazy machiara you know they're like oh so you just did a spell okay so they let her go (laughs) and uh she is you know like the the townswomen are spitting on her as she's walking down the street she ends up i think she's headed back to her cave i don't know yeah but she uh she ends up you know walking by this cemetery where she's confronted by these men yes and i assume that these are townsmen 
I, I didn't recognize any of them. One I, of them was the father of the of Bruno. That's what I thought. Killed. I thought mm-hmm. these are probably at least some of them are probably the fathers of the boys that were killed. Um, and this is the scene that I was talking about. She can't get away from them. There's four, five, six of them. I don't know. And and her hand gets slammed in a gate, and and her knuckles get all scraped up, which you know sucks. But then she's brutally beaten by them, and the yeah. effects look really good and disgusting, but probably I I like wouldn't not, go as not real, n- not realistic. Like 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 her injuries are even more upsetting and and gross than they probably realistically would be probably um, yeah like they get that red and that bloody that quickly. and and like right and they're oozing like blood and pus immediately and i i have to say it really did as far as practical con- effects are concerned it looks really good and it really did kind of turn my stomach Look, I I thought this was the most disturbing scene in the movie. I mean, yeah. I, I actually I thought it was a brilliant scene. You you can see it coming a mile away. She's walking there, she sees these guys on the horizon. She's kind of goes into this little cemetery area which is enclosed and there's this dude up on the on the hill and he turns the car radio up really really high to this song. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit, these guys are going to beat the hell out of her. And they do, but they approach her slowly. It takes its time. She knows it's coming. And they're it's they're also sort of joyless about it. You know, it's like yeah. you can see in their faces like this is I mean, it's vigilante justice. You know, it's we're we got to do what we got to do. We're not happy about it, but you murdered our children and this, the cops aren't going to do anything about it, so we're going to do something. And there's a chain, and there's a thing, and it is, it's, effects aside, it is brutal, and it's heartbreaking. It especially, is. especially when you consider this woman has been through a lot of shit herself. Like, right. she lost a child, she's grieving, I mean, she's crazy, but she doesn't deserve right. what's coming to her. And they hit her, and it really bothered me. And I thought it was also quite telling that in this movie, a Fulci of all people, this is one of the two scenes that he chooses to really dwell upon the gore, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you said, everything else is like off screen. The kids are getting killed and other, and like we don't see it really. But this we see in gruesome detail, uh, slowly, and it, God, it lasts at least five minutes. It's It's hard to watch. And they walk away like... I thought surely they were going to kill her. And ultimately, they do, because she succumbs to her injuries. But they, you know, like, they don't ensure that she's dead before they leave. So I don't even know if it was necessarily their intention to kill her. I don't know, Um, man. I feel like they wanted to torture her in a way. Yeah, definitely. um, God, it's an execution, really. Right. But she's not immediately dead. She ends up uh, crawling her way to the highway, and and all these cars pass by. I think oh, yes. some of them see her. No, that's the other thing, right? She looks up at these cars, and some of them clearly see her and just look away. Like, nobody gives a shit about her. That was the worst part. That was, like, the icing on the cake. And then one of the last bits she sees, looks in the car, and sees children in there. And I'm pretty sure one of them was Malvina, wasn't it? You're right, you're right. But, like, my God, like, in that second, I was just like, this woman, this poor woman, she lost her child. Now she's she's been beaten by these people. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody's going to stop for her. She sees these children in the car, and it was like, oh, God, man, that was hard. That was a tough scene. Yeah, it sucked. Um, she, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does. Yeah, it I don't totally know. You know sucked, I don't know dude. <laughs> well, and, like, that's the thing. But that's the thing. Like, we don't really get to know her enough. Like, she's gorgeous she's the crazy person as far as we're concerned right that's it right like she's just this crazy lady that's all we know then there's a whole scene where martelli the uh reporter meets patrizia the vixen on the street and patrizia has a scene with malvina malvina the little mute girl is walking around with a headless doll Mm -hmm. which i thought was weird and patrizia is like oh look your doll's lost its head and the she and the, the reporter has to explain to her that Malvina doesn't understand what she's saying because she's deaf and mute and slow. And but Patricia's like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna go get her 
a new doll. And, and then, you know, the reporter and Patrizia kind of make a connection, but it's really brief. And Patrizia goes to get Malvina a new doll, but she like grabs her by the wrist and starts pulling her away. And Malvina's clearly scared of her. Like, yeah. this stranger lady is like dragging you somewhere. But again, I just felt like, uh oh, uh, shady Patrizia, what's going on? Yeah. Um, right. Then we cut to these two young boys who are on their way to the hooker house. <laughs> <laughs> one of them gets cold feet. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the other one basically calls him a pussy and uh, keeps going. So the other boy goes back and he's acting all solemn and morose on the soccer field. And uh, the the priest comes out and the other boys confess. What are you talking about? He went to the haunted house alone. Alone? Don Alberto? The boys go there because... Because certain females go there. What's this? You're just boys. Boys. Not us, Mario. He goes there, that's all. I told him not to go, because he might get caught by the, you know, caught by the monster. That's what I said, I swear. But he said there wasn't any monster. He said nothing would happen because Machado's dead. The murderer's dead. The murderer's dead. How stupid can you be? People commit an act of folly. And there's the result. Mario, that idiot isn't scared of going all the way up there because Machado's dead and buried. Pepino, no one's ever been killed because of magic. No one. It's all nonsense. He goes to look for him. This is the point, by the way. This is the point where I started to think, okay, something's going on here. Ugh. I, I didn't because, and I have to, I guess I have to give, I should know better. I should know better when these Italian filmmakers are making things so pointedly obvious that it's a mislead because Mario comes across Patrizia's car that has a flat tire. Mm-hmm. She, you know, asks him if he knows how to change a tire and he says he does and she says, I'll pay you. And he asks if she has like a jack or something like that. And she's like, would you rather be paid with money or with a kiss? And literally like the split second after she says that, we see his dead body face down Oh, in like a creek. In a movie that's full of fantastic transitions, that was a great transition. <laughs> but I See, but I feel like from this point on... It felt like they needed to make the movie go faster because the editing started getting so choppy. Like, scene, 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 scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. And and it would it would cut from one scene that didn't really seem to necessarily even conclude into another scene that it felt like we were picking up in the middle of something, like in the middle of a conversation. It was a little bit jarring. Now maybe that was intentional. I don't well, know. This particular cut was very jarring, but that was certainly intentional because I thought it was very impactful. Do you want to do? You, do you want to pay me? You know, do you want me to pay you with the money, or would you like a kiss? Boom! And musical cue, and the kid's face down in the water, and the the woman's gone, and the police are pulling his body up. And I'm thinking, okay, so here's the deal: like a whole lot of stuff went down in that split second, right? Something right. happened between her and him. She's now gone. The priest was on his way there. And what came about that? And then the cops are talking and they say something about how the priest found him in the water. And they're like, well, do you want to talk to him? And like, well, once the media gets done with him, because he's surrounded by them right now. And well, I was and like, the priest oh, okay. is there and he's like crying over the mm-hmm. body and stuff. Really? Oh, I, I think, think I think so. Um, because it was the priest found him. That's how the yeah, police but we were didn't alerted. see the priest find him, right? We no, didn't see any no, of that. we just saw when the cops arrived, yeah, uh, or yeah. when they were there. And then you know, I feel like quite a bit happens. Like the uh, uh, the reporter finds a lighter at the crime scene. He takes it to Patricia and says, "I found your lighter," and she's like, "Oh, thank goodness! It was crazy expensive." At the same time, he's been uh, in her house. It's one of those classic scenes where he's getting in her house before she is, and he's looked at her table and found a book of magic on there. Right? Oh yeah, I didn't. I, mm-hmm. I don't speak Italian, so I didn't know what the book was. <laughs> it was something something magica. 
uh, gotcha. Craig. Just just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, I don't speak Italian either, but and and the police are still interested in Patrizia, even though they don't know anything about the lighter at the crime scene. They they found holes in her story about the night that Michele died, and she tells uh, the reporter that she didn't have anything to do with it. She swears and. Um, so then, like, the two of them, like, pair up. Like, they're going to investigate it now. And yeah. randomly, there's a picture of, what, what would you call it? Like, um, like a, like a, like a vigil type. Uh, yeah, scene. yeah. Like, um, like, you know, when, when, when somebody dies by the side of the road and everybody piles up flowers there or something like that. Right. right? Like, right. And Patrizia notices the head of Donald Duck and she's like, oh my God. I bought that little dumb girl uh, a Donald Duck doll, and that's its head. And they're like, well, <laughs> let's go back to... Find the rest of the doll. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense, right? Like, wh- I-, I didn't quite catch the significance of that. Like, I think what it turns out to be is they're suspicious, thinking the girl was at the scene, uh, you know, at some point when the body was... Right. When the person was killed, when the boy was killed by the basin somehow. But, I mean, right. the timing doesn't add up, and, and that's a big stretch. I mean, Right, you know. well, and they, and they go there, and they don't find the Donald Duck, but they do find another headless doll, and, like, just... Well, they find the, the head of the doll she was carrying around, yeah. And, and the conclusion that they come to is that she must have witnessed the murder, which was a strangulation, and she tried to emulate it with her doll, but she popped the doll's head off. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. Right, and they're like, oh, look, she lives right there, which is, like, just across the street, and remember, she's the younger sister of the priest and the daughter of the mysterious Aurelia lady. So they go over there and they talk to the priest and the priest's like, oh my gosh, that's really interesting and weird. We need to figure this out. But the mom is like, it couldn't have been her because the murder happened at night. How do they know that? I don't know. And she's like, and we lock the doors at night specifically so that she can't go out. So they don't know. But uh, they go, like, the the reporter and Patrizia go back to her place to, like, think about it. Yeah. And and the priest calls them and is like, have you seen my mom and Malvina? Because they're gone. And they're like, no, we haven't seen them. So now they think that the mom has something to do with it and that she's probably taking the little girl to kill her so that she can't, like, no. implicate or tell or whatever. Yeah. So they go looking for her and apparently know to look for her in these yeah. hills. And uh, she yeah. is there. She is leading the little girl up the hill. They're in pursuit. Um, and the next thing we see is, like, they're hiding. Aurelia and Malvina are hiding in, like, this stone little cabin or something. And the priest comes in. And that's when I figured it out. I didn't really understand the motive, but I'm like, oh, it was the priest, obviously. And Mm. the priest grabs the little girl and there's a scuffle. I mean, it's still not entire. Like you think you could think maybe the priest is there to try to save his sister from his crazy mom. But we really don't Mm -hmm. even know enough about his mom to know why she would have any motive either. There's a struggle. He takes the little girl out and he carries her towards this cliff. And he's going to throw her off the cliff. But the reporter and Patrizia intervene. There's a big fight, you know, and, and it goes on for a little while, this this big fight. But eventually, the priest gets thrown off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and And he falls down the cliff. Now, I've got to say, I admired the attempt. <laughs> right. At making the priest's death pretty gruesome. And probably for the time and with the budget they had to work with or whatever, this was the best they could pull off. But it ends up looking really hokey. Oh, really hokey. Like before (laughs) before he even hits anything, like as he's just flying in through the air, it's clearly a dummy. And like his his face... Comically. Yeah. His face already looks off and... 
Yeah, it, it's weird. And and then he starts hitting every rock on the wall on the of this down. cliff, <laughs> and his face is getting ripped off. I agree with you. I appreciate the attempt. And, you know, as as far as practical effects go, it's really not any worse than some other things that we've seen in these kinds of movies but it's in broad daylight and i mean it's obviously and and the dummy the dummy is just flopping around in a totally inorganic way it's pretty silly but then the motive is explained he said before actually he explains it before he gets thrown off the cliff he says these little boys are like my brothers, I love them and I want to protect their virtue. And the only way to protect their virtue and save their souls is to kill them before, <laughs> before they can tarnish their souls through sin. And like, it seems like he legit feels that way. And we get flashbacks of like the boys, you know, going to the hooker house and stuff. Like, and that's the whole reason that he set up the soccer league and like, in his mind it just seems legit like he's really trying to do that there's even a scene after he dies of all of the dead children in all white playing soccer and he in his priest robes walks up to them and they all surround him and hug him it's a very christ-like image so it, it seems like for whatever reason he legit thought that he was doing something righteous but obviously he was just crazy. Now my question is, is the implication that thirteen devils came in his mouth? <laughs> they must have. <laughs> but, I need but, to know. But you point out honestly, you point out like uh I don't think so. I mean this is to me a weakness of the plot, which is pretty typical of these geologists, is this long, this big stretch. Okay, maybe there was some actual magic at play. Perhaps there was. But this guy's got a motive that stretches straight into his personality, right? So I don't really think so. So the issue I have with it is this red herring of this woman who happens to have a beef with three of these boys and, you know, pokes through these you know, mm-hmm. goes to the magician, gets his, gets her voodoo dolls, buries them. And then these three boys happen to be the next three boys that the priest kills. That is a, a huge coincidence, right? I Unless, guess, like you said, those... you can explain it by the magic. Maybe that's exactly what happened, is that she, the voodoo activated the priest, and then he went crazy and started doing this. It it's would, possible. It would still be a big coincidence, however... We know from the very beginning that those three boys were engaging in behavior that the priest would see as yes. indecent. So if, if he was aware of that and it just happened to be those three boys because they were ornery, hmm. that they got mixed up with Marciana and he knew that they were doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, it makes sense. It's still a yeah. pretty big coincidence, but it does make sense. Mm. It could happen, and that's good enough, really, yeah. for the plot of a, of a movie that we're watching for entertainment. I, I'm sorry. I, I really enjoyed this movie, except for the fact that it was a little long. Like, I was checking my watch about an hour and 20 in, and it's an hour and 48 minutes. I think it could have been shortened by about 30 minutes. It didn't need to be quite so slow. But actually, I was pretty engaged with the plot because unlike a lot of the other Giallo that we watch, it's quite easy to follow, and it actually makes sense most of the time. And I was pretty proud of myself for actually kind of seeing the killer coming. I even kind of figured out his motive, really. I felt, oh, this priest is somehow trying to protect the the purity of these boys. And I mean, because it's kind of thrown in our faces for a while that these boys are so horny but i mean that's not atypical of good no. boys but it's a, it's a it's a major you know element of the movie and sure. then next to that this whole conversation about the town and the town being kind of very very concerned about the purity and and the conversations the priest has i think at that moment i i think i was able to put two and two together and i was like yeah i think it might actually be that guy that we haven't seen for most of the film but he has a better motive than probably anybody else to do this you're right that and I didn't even think about it, that there's not a central character in this whole movie, and that's 
That's really interesting, actually. And the woman is still ends ends the movie. Okay, she's not implicated in anything, but she's still pretty freaking mysterious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this like sex pot woman who's coming on to little boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I just enjoyed watching it. I really, really enjoyed the atmosphere being able to follow the plot, kind of being able to more or less figure out who did it. And again, the cinematography was great. It was well filmed. I think it was well acted. And honestly, a little refreshing to see this plot uh, that seemed more realistic to me than most of the others, where the cops are appropriately skeptical at every turn. Like, they know this town is weird. They're not willing to really willing to buy anybody's story, and so they're always kind of keeping an eye open to the to the next possibility and pursue that lead. And it wasn't like the reporter came in and solved the whole mystery for everybody. I mean, he kind of figures it out at the end. He's kind of a key figure in in in, in at the end, but it's not because he's smart and everybody else is stupid. You know, he right. just happens to be at the right place at the right time. I mean, it was just really nice. I, I I really enjoyed it. And I can see why Fulci says this is his favorite film of his entire career. I, I think it hit good notes. Was it perfect? No. The effects were a little silly uh, at times, but ah, I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well... Neither did the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah. The movie was originally released, obviously, in Europe, and but it had a very limited release because of the subject matter. Um, they were more sensitive times, and so uh, because it dealt with these themes of the of the priests and the Catholic Church and whatnot, like it was kind of blacklisted, and it never even was released in the States. Uh, it wasn't until it was like available on DVD. 2008 or something, two- right? Yeah, yeah. So crazy right yeah it is um, it really is because it's really not all that offensive no God. i mean the, yeah. it, it 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 just happens that the bad guy is a, a catholic priest like right it's not really Come because <laughs> you know it's not really the catholic religion right the right of these children no, yeah. it just so happens but whatever yeah no i i didn't love it but you know i just am not a huge fan of these types of movies that being said you have made me watch a couple that i have ended up enjoying opera comes to mind i think i liked that one um and there have been some other ones uh that i've been intrigued and surprised by deep red i think was one yeah yeah it's it's just not my favorite genre uh, but you're right. I don't disagree with you. I, I think that it, it's not poorly made. It's the acting is fine. It's competent. And it, if you are uh, a fan of these types of movies, uh, especially Fulci, I guess you should check it out because he says it's his favorite of his movies. It's I didn't particularly care for it. Like I agree with you. I think it was too long. I was kind of bored. I just. <sighs> So many red herrings. At some point, I'm just rolling my eyes. Like, oh, come on. Jeez. Um, right. But whatever. Beautiful women. The priest was hot. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a little something for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say I hated it, but just not my cup of tea. That's all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. We would love to hear what you think about Jala movies. Should we do a few more? I, I'm, I have a short list. It's shorter than Craig realizes of Jala movies that I want to subject him to before I'm done with the torture. And I have to find another way to torture him here on this show. <laughs> uh, find us online if you just Google two guys in a chainsaw. You can find our Facebook page our website and our Twitter feed. Leave us a message in any of those places. Let us know what you think of this episode and any other films you would like to do in the future. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Chainsaw.